Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. A lot of the people around me are way more experienced. They've been around the paddock for decades longer than I have. It's just being respectful, being willing to expose myself as someone who needs to learn uh, from them. Be respectful, be mindful of, of the experience of those around me. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Abbott, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolstra, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. George Steinbrenner IV is my guest on this week's edition, co-owner and partner with Harding Steinbrenner Racing. Yes, he is related to the boss and the namesake of the boss. Uh, He's 22 years old. I had a chance to meet him this past weekend at the Portland Grand Prix. His driver, Colton Herta, is age 19 They've become the youngest duo to ever win an IndyCar race. They're injecting some youth into IndyCar. It was really interesting to uh, tour his transporter, sit in the pits with him a little bit, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation that we have on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. I'm joined, as always, by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how's it going? I'm good, and uh, 22, man. Can you imagine? I can't. When I was 22, I was not... doing what he's doing. So it's pretty impressive what he's doing and, and you know, the family name and the really cool interview. He tells some good stories. Uh, impressed by his uh, being at 22 and what he's already doing. Well, and the thing I like is this. It would be so easy for someone with the last name of Steinbrenner to write a big check, right. to be given a team, to be fast-tracked, no pun intended, to team ownership. But he didn't do that. He paid his dues. He mopped floors. He answered phones. Yep. He put drinks in the refrigerator, got people coffee. And I think because of that, he's earned the respect of his peers and his team and the people who are older than him. Because you know what? It's got to be tough to be 22 and have people look at you and go, okay, I'm going to listen to the 22-year-old or I'm going to respect the 22-year-old and that they know their stuff. And he obviously knows his stuff, especially after watching him up close and in person at the race this past weekend. He really knows his stuff. So I think he's exactly what IndyCar needs in order to relate to a younger audience. And let's face it, the Andrettis, the Unsers, the Penskys, they're getting a little long in the tooth. And, and wouldn't it be great if George Steinbrenner the fourth was the one who came along and with that championship pedigree was able to help attract a new fan and, and legion of fans for IndyCar. So yep. looking forward to that conversation. Uh, college football got underway this past weekend. Griggs, ABC and ESPN had the top three games as far as TV ratings went. Number three, Duke versus Alabama, uh, a 3.1 overnight. Number two, Houston at Oklahoma. How good did Jalen Hurts look as the quarterback of Oklahoma? Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma... Looks like they're going to have three Heisman Trophy winners in a row at quarterback. They could, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts. He put up six touchdowns in game one. I mean, if he puts up those kinds of stats every game, I don't know who's going to beat him. So 3.6 overnight for that game. And then the number one rated game of the weekend was Oregon 
versus Auburn pitting two top 20 teams against each other, a 4.4 overnight. Griggs, your ducks, man. man. They cannot win the big game. They cannot hold on to a lead. What a, a disappointing loss for them. Yeah, it was, uh, I had to leave the house after that game. <laughs> <laughs> you were a little hot under the collar. I was collar. a little hot under the collar because it was like too many chances to win that game, but they you owned know, that game. They, they, had it. they, they yeah. controlled the whole game yep. and in typical Oregon Ducks fashion. They have a meltdown in yep. the last five minutes, and they let the team back. They always leave the door open. Always. That's the best way I can put always. it, is they always leave the door open. And when you leave the door open against good teams, an SEC team like Auburn, yep. that's a bad recipe. Yeah, it was a fun weekend, though. I agree. I'm, Oklahoma looks legit. Jalen Hurts is is incredible. And uh, it's going to be fun. College football is always fun, because you just never know what's going to happen each weekend. So there was some fun games, and more to come. Uh, Notre Dame struggled a little bit. It was kind of interesting to see how they ended up pulling it out. But, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I love it. All right. I'm putting you on the spot right now. All right. Is the national championship going to be any other combination than Alabama-Clemson? I was just talking, before we went on the air, one of the gals walked by here in the studio, and we were talking about the same thing, and I'm like, we're both like, I don't want it to be that, but I, I don't see it any other way. Maybe Oklahoma slips in, but I just don't, I think it's Alabama-Clemson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clemson is seemingly historically good. Yeah. And they probably have the best quarterback in the country, and, sure. and he's got to be your other Heisman favorite. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just looks like, and that's the thing that really bums me about college football is I want to see something different. Yeah. But as I look forward to the end of the season, I don't see a different result. No, I, I see Alabama Clemson again, unless, you know, one of their star players gets hurt. And I know Moses got hurt on defense for Alabama. So maybe that changes things because he was basically the quarterback of that defense. Right. But. Uh, I think we're headed for the same result, and that's not good for TV ratings. No. I think it's bad for the overall interest of college football because we've seen this movie over and over and over again, and we want to see a different movie. Yep, I agree. It's uh, it's tough, but I mean, they they just step above. They're they're so much better than everybody else. I just don't see any other outcome, even with a couple of injuries. I just they're so stacked, and the coaches are they're coached so well. And uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. All right, NFL gets started this Thursday. Green Bay at Chicago at Soldier Field. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting season. We've already seen some interesting holdouts. Zeke Elliott, as we record this, looks like he's headed back to Dallas. Uh, rumors are that he's going to sign the highest contract ever paid out to a running back. It's so interesting to see the back and forth between oh, yeah. Jerry Jones and and Zeke Elliott's camp and what they want and how the contract gets structured and how much guaranteed money there is and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, one thing you can't argue is running backs are getting paid less and less. So their leverage is not great. Then you see what's happened to someone like Todd Gurley, who signed the most recent highest paid running back contract, and now he's hurt. He doesn't look to be the same guy that they signed when they signed that contract. So... You know, with running backs now, you you can find a good running back in the third or fourth round, or you find a free agent, but uh, they're not making as much as they used to. And then uh, LaShawn McCoy got Mm -hmm. cut from the Bills, gets picked up within 24 hours by the Kansas City Chiefs. One year, $3 million, so not a lot of money, but he did have some money coming to him. The Bills cut him, according to most people, because I think he had a $9.6 million guarantee coming to him. And they felt like they had other running backs on the roster. So it really became a, an economic move for the Bills. But it's interesting to see. We've seen uh, some big names change uniforms. So yeah. Antonio Brown to the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. Odell Beckham to Odell Cleveland. Odell Beckham to Cleveland. So it's going to be interesting to see how those players perform in their new uh, uniforms and with their new teams, but who do you like uh, in the upcoming season? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think, like you said, I think more and more the game gets even more physical, and these players that won two years at running back, where they're actually the star of the show, and right. then it's an injury that takes them down, or it's a you know a contract thing, and yeah, it's just I again, I think Patriots look good. I think uh, they're again kind of like Alabama Clemson. Patriots are always going to be in that top four right. at the end of the season. They yeah. just always are, unless they lose Brady. Unless they lose Brady, yeah. So. um 
it's NFL is always interesting. There's, it's such a long series, so much drama, so many injuries. It's hard to predict what team's going to be at the end. But I love the Thursday night game coming up because it's just a great rivalry. So that'll be fun to watch. I am going to go with an old AFC rivalry. Cool. To play in the Super Bowl. All right. I'm taking Kansas City in the AFC. Nice. And I'm taking Seattle. Oh, yeah. In the NFC. I love, I love it. the clowny acquisition. Yep. I think their defense is maybe the best in the NFL now. Yeah. Uh, they've got some monsters on that defense. And, you know, if you look at that, if you're Russell Wilson and you score 17 points a game, you're probably going to win a lot of games. You don't have to score 30 points a game because your defense is going to shut people down. So I think Russell Wilson is capable of scoring 17 to 20 points a game, even though he lost Doug Baldwin Jr., our guest from last week's show, and some other pieces. Uh, but I really think Seattle is going to be in the mix. So I'm taking Kansas like City and Seattle. I think New England will be good again. Um, I wouldn't bet against them, but I just think – Kansas City learned a lot from mm-hmm. that loss in the AFC Championship to New England. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be bigger yeah. and better. What do you think is going to happen with the Browns? Because that is the team that everyone's talking yeah. about. The over-under is nine for the Browns. Crazy. Would you take over or under? No, I, <clears throat> I'm not buying the Browns. I just can't okay. do it. I can't do it. Um I think they're going to be a little bit young, and there's going to be some drama and some maybe infighting yeah. that's going to mess them up. Uh, you got some crazy egos on that team now. You got yeah. a lot of opinionated players, coaches. So it'll be fun to watch how it how it progresses. But uh, I think the, obviously they're going to be better. I think than last year, but I don't think they're uh, they're going to be the, all the way to the end. So they won seven games last year, seven, eight, and one. The over under is nine. I'm also going to go under. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be as good as people say. And I also think, like you said, Freddie Kitchens is the head coach now. I cannot wait to see how he handles the first Baker Mayfield or Odell Beckham Jr. or Miles Garrett or Jarvis Landry blow up. Because there's (laughs) a lot of alpha dogs in that locker room. And it is coming. And we'll see how that gets handled. And you know what? Cleveland has a tough early schedule. So they could get out of the gate one and three, and mm-hmm. the wheels could come off pretty quickly. Right. right. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Last headline of the week. This is a big one. David Glass and the Glass family has officially sold the Kansas City Royals after much speculation and rumors about whether or not the team would be sold. They were sold to a group led by Kansas City businessman John Sherman for a billion Dollars, Griggs, this is Kansas City. This isn't New York. This isn't L.A. This isn't Chicago. This is Kansas City. And they just went for a billion dollars. The sale marks the third time the team has changed ownership after being founded by Ewing Kaufman back in 1969. The Glass family purchased the team in 1999. So here's an organization that is used to stable ownership. It'll be interesting to see how the Sherman family does. Uh, Sherman also was a minority owner of the Cleveland Indians, so he has that baseball knowledge and passion. He's divested his interest in the Indians in order to purchase the Royals. But Griggs, a billion dollars for the Kansas City Royals. I was a little bit surprised by that price Yeah, tag. it seems a little high for me, too. I, when I saw that, too, I was like, oh, wow, a billion for a baseball team, which... I don't know. You don't hear as much about the the big money of baseball. I guess it's still around there because that's that's a big price tag for a team, for sure. All right. Before we get to the George Steinbrenner at the fourth interview, we have had some great guests on Sports Business Radio recently. If you're new to our podcast or if you just need to catch up on past episodes, Damian Lillard, Tim Howard, Jeannie Buss, Rick Welts, Doug Baldwin Jr., Alex Honnold uh, from Free Solo, some great guests, Greg. So uh, I would encourage people to go back and, and listen to those conversations. I know I learned a ton from listening to those people on this show. Yeah, I mean, Doug Baldwin was fascinating. So eloquent. Uh, Alex Hole. I mean, yeah, you mentioned all those ones you just mentioned were so cool. But, yeah, I really loved the Doug Baldwin. I just really uh, got a lot more respect, even more than I had for him from that interview. Well, and like I said last week when he was on, that's a guy that, while he did great things on the NFL field in an eight-year career, I won't be surprised if he's governor yeah. or part of Congress exactly. or, you know, does something great 
in the private sector going forward. He's that eloquent. He's that smart. He went to Stanford and he's doing really good things in the community, rolling up his sleeve. So uh, I thought it was really insightful what he had to say. And uh, I would say all of our guests have been very insightful recently. And, and we have a good list of guests coming up. You're going to want to stay tuned to see who those are. But coming up on this week's show and coming up next, George Steinbrenner the fourth, the youngest IndyCar owner at age 22. He's already finding success. And with a name like Steinbrenner, championships. It's what it's all about. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. I can tell you one thing. I'll be wearing Mizzen in Maine dress shirts at all future sports business radio road shows and sports PR summit events. I can't wait. Blinder is the way high-performance teams connect their talent with the media and fans. It lets communications managers provide unprecedented access to their athletes, entertainers, and executives while respecting everyone's privacy and time. Blinder makes phone calls magic. Request a demo today at blinderhq.com backslash SB radio. Joining me now on the Blinder guest line is George Steinbrenner the fourth. You can follow him on Twitter at G Steinbrenner Roman numeral four. He is the co-owner and partner of Harding Steinbrenner Racing. You can follow them on Twitter at follow HS Racing. He's currently fielding the number 88 car in the NTT IndyCar series. You can find them online at HardingSteinbrenner.com. Steinbrenner is the grandson of legendary Yankees owner George Steinbrenner III, the boss. Now the younger George has forged his own road to team ownership at the ripe age of 22. He's the youngest team owner in IndyCar history. His grandfather delivered seven titles to the Bronx and the New York Yankees during his iconic 37-year tenure in New York. Well, George, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. It was great to meet you in person and tour your transporter at this past weekend's Portland Grand Prix. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to join me. Of course. Thank you for having me. So you guys finished fourth this past weekend. Uh, I think your second highest finish of the season. How did you get to fourth place? And I know you had the pole position, but it seems like overall that's a successful weekend for you. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. It was our second best finish of the year. Um, we had a little bit of trouble with the tires on the first stint. Uh, by the end of it, uh, we dropped back a few positions, but by the time we got him in the pits, got him on black tires, he, he was the quickest car on track again. So, uh, it, it let us, uh, finish fourth. Uh, so the car was really good all day. It just didn't work out to where we could finish up front, but it's really tough to win in IndyCar. So everything kind of has to go right for you. One of the things that I was struck by by touring your transporter and, and kind of watching you guys uh, in the pits a little bit is just how exact everything is. The computer, the weight of things. I had never done that before, and I don't think the average fan realizes how exact and specific everything has to be. Oh, yeah. Everything has to be down to inches, milliseconds, on track, in the pits. In, in the garage before the race, it, it all has to be as precise as you can possibly get it. And uh, that's what it takes to win. And, and that's why it, with a spec series, it can be so, uh, it can be so close and, and, uh, and competitive because, you know, the difference between first and, and sixth is, is, you know, a, a very small difference. Now, what happens after the race? Do you guys, 
huddle in the transporter and discuss what just happened while it's fresh in your mind? Do you have a cooling down period? Take us through that process. Uh, usually we'll have a debrief uh, after the race. Um, sort of talk about what happened, what we could have done differently. Um you know, take what what happened, and since we're still a new team, you know, take what happened and figure out how to a replicate it or b you know, make sure it doesn't happen again. That sort of stuff. Just uh, go over and and uh, yeah, go over the race essentially. And who's in that meeting? It's obviously you. It's your driver. Who else is in there? Uh, it's myself, the driver, um, Mike co-owner of the team when he's there um brian barnhart our team president and race caller um our engineers and um uh crew chief usually is in there as well all right i want to go back in time to when you were younger and how you first got your start in racing and your passion for racing so your cousin tony renna was an IndyCar driver in the early 2000s. I know your uncle, Chris Simmons, serves as the engineer for Scott Dixon. But when did you first develop the passion for IndyCar racing or auto racing in general? I'd have to say probably the the passion itself, you know, minus just watching my cousin or, or, you know, watching it if it was on TV by chance uh, when my family was watching. I think when I actually really started getting interested, I was probably around nine or ten um, when I when I you know took took the time and took the initiative to to follow it myself uh, and not just you know watch it when it was on um, and become an actual fan of the series, learn all the drivers, learn all the teams, learn all the tracks, learn when all the races were, watch all the races, stuff like that, go to a couple of races. And when so you probably about nine or ten. Yeah, when you were 9 or 10, when you went to the races, did they let you up close, or were you sitting in the stands? Like, what kind of behind-the-scenes access did you get in order to develop the knowledge that you have now? Well, I, I, it would usually be in the stands. I was, uh, I would have, you know, you could walk the paddock at any age, really. Uh, but uh, in terms of the race itself, I would watch from the stands, because you had to be 18 uh, to be in, in the pits during the race. So for me, my 18th birthday, that was one of the big things for me. I can finally go into the pits and watch the race. <laughs> That's awesome. So one of the things I told you when I saw you this last Friday is I've heard and read so many stories of the fact that you did the dirty work and you got your hands dirty before you became a team owner. Obviously, with your last name, it could have been a fast track for you to team ownership. But, you know, you answered phones, you mopped floors, you filled coolers and fridges, you got people coffee. How did that help you with the people you work with now and maybe just uh, show you all the ins and outs of what racing is so you have that knowledge now? That was huge. I mean, being able to, you know, do the, the the cleaning in the, the shop, answer the phones, um, at the track, really, uh, working logistics and getting lunch for the crew and and taking care of the driver. It sort of just gave me an, an, a, the most inside look you can have on, on sort of how the team operates during the race weekend and, and the, the things that have to be done because uh, the small things that have to be done and making sure there's enough water in the coolers, making sure that the crew gets fed, you know, stuff like that. It's the really important stuff that, you know, I, I, I had to do. So therefore I, I was able to learn how to do it. And, and, and uh, so it helps me now in, in understanding, you know, how, how that bottom level works. One of the quotes I read from you is you said, whenever I enter a new room, there are always going to be the preconceived notions when it comes to my name. But I also believe that how I handle myself when I walk into that room is what determines how people will perceive me in the end. So I try and do that the right way. What's the right way? Um, especially being you know, in this environment where a lot of the people around me are are way more experienced, have been around the paddock for decades longer than I have. It's just being respectful and in, and uh, being willing to to expose myself as someone who needs to learn uh, from them, 
um, not being too assertive when 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 someone with 30 years more experience than me um, has something to tell me. You know, it 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 it's uh, it's all about learning for me, really. Still uh, being so new to this, so uh, in in the sport itself it, it's really just to be respectful be mindful of, of the experience of those around me but you bring up a good point with people being older than you and knowing when to be assertive and when not to be assertive if you have to be assertive what is the right way to be assertive with people who are older and more experienced uh, I, th- I think you have to you really have to gain their respect first the respect for uh, knowledge of, of, of the situations. Uh, like if, if I feel very confident and I feel confident that, that, um, the person I'm being assertive to feels confident in my knowledge. Um, I, I, I have to be sure of that first. And, and, uh, it's getting easier and easier, uh, obviously as I learn more, but, um, being sure of myself and being sure that the person I'm speaking to is sure of me as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio with our guest, George Steinbrenner IV. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and University Stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with our guest, George Steinbrenner IV. I want to talk about the Herta family for a minute. Brian is someone who's a legendary person in the IndyCar world, and it sounds like you really, he's a mentor for you. And then ironically now, his son Colton is your 19-year-old star driver. They've been a, a big part of your life. Let's start with Brian. What did you learn from him? And I know he's one of the people that kind of made you put in that dirty work and, and get your hands dirty a little bit as you learn the business. Yeah, I mean, Brian, Brian from the very start has been, as you said, a mentor to me. Um, you know, being, he was a single-car team owner for years, and that's how I met him. He was running Brian Hurd Autosport in IndyCar, and actually an Indy Lights at the time. He hadn't even uh, run an IndyCar yet. Um, so just sort of seeing his and learning from his experience as a, as a one-car team owner back uh, when I was you know, first getting really, really interested in IndyCar. And then uh, obviously he took me under his wing and, and brought me over to... So I worked as an intern for his rallycross program. And so that was sort of the start of the of the the learning process for me and he's been at the forefront of it from the beginning uh since that rallycross program i still go to him to seeking advice and and thankfully now that that web has expanded to people like michael andretti and and um jf thorman president of andretti autosport you know people i can brian barnard our team president now who's been in the sport for a really long time you know more people that i can sort of web out to and ask for advice, but it all sort of usually comes back to Brian as my sort of main, um, my main teacher. Yeah. Essentially. It's great to have a mentor like that. Uh, and then Colton, again, your 19 year old star driver, he's been so successful. Uh, you guys have become the youngest duo to ever win an IndyCar race together. 
Uh, he is someone that you've become friends with, too. So not only is he your driver, but you're around the same age. He's 19, you're 22. It sounds like you guys have a friendship as well. A, a very good one, yeah. Uh, it, it started with uh, he was running Skip Barber cars uh, out of Lime Rock Park in 2012. And um, I'd known Brian for a couple of years at this point. And my stepfather, who's business partners with Brian, um, said we're going to go to Connecticut and see Colton race. I knew of Colton. I hadn't met him yet. And I said, sure, yeah, anytime I can see new cars go around a new track, I'm, I'm willing, willing and ready. And then uh, obviously met Colton there, and, and we kind of hit it off immediately, became fast friends. And, and ever since, we've been, we were in communications, obviously, when he ran, he ran USF 2000 in 2014, followed him around, and I was the year that I really started going to a lot of the races um, and so to follow him around. And then when he moved over to Europe, staying in, in contact with him, staying friendly with him. And then when he wanted to come back in America, we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, <laughs> let's go for it. You're two crazy teenagers with a crazy idea <laughs> and a crazy vision. And we were able to make it happen. No, I love it. And I bet, like I said, because of the fact that you're friends, you can probably be candid with each other and, uh, I imagine you're on the same page on a lot of things. We are, and we can be very candid, but and it helps that we we both have very similar demeanors, and we both have very very similar senses of humor and, and ways about ourselves. So we we sort of just flow very well uh, together. It, it very comfort, very high comfort level with each other. So the tough part about doing business with friends is. You know, there's that line of business and and friendship. He is his star is rising quickly. Do you anticipate being able to continue to attach yourself to him and vice versa as his career continues, or do you ever worry that oh my gosh, you know, maybe we're going to lose him to another team? You know, that, that's always a possibility when you're you know a star free agent and everyone's sort of knocking on your door, calling your phone. And uh, you know that there might come a day where there's an offer that out there that's better for him. But but you know, understanding that it would be better for him, it would be hard for me to to uh, with our with our friendship and and our the friendship that will likely continue afterward. It would be hard to to um, I don't want to say hold him back, but uh, sort of uh, get in his way to right. a degree. Right. Um, we're we're going to work our butts off to make sure that we're the best place for him and right now we think we are and uh, but if the if the time comes one day where we're not anymore then i I see no problem in our friendship uh continuing or, or or becoming a problem in that instance well and explain to people because again IndyCar racing is, is is so different than other team sports because you can have uh, collaborations and partnerships with people. And I know that you guys have had some sort of a collaboration and partnership with the Andretti team. How does that work and how could that work going forward in the future for you, for Colton, and for the Andrettis? So, uh, this, obviously, in Indy Lights, when Colton and I ran in Indy Lights, um, it was... Uh, in, in partnership, direct partnership with Andretti, they, it was run out of their program. It was an Andretti Steinbrenner Indy Lights car. And this season, partnering with Harding Racing and forming Harding Steinbrenner, we formed a technical alliance with Andretti's uh, technical company, Andretti Technologies. So it was um, technical support. So the relationship is still there. The partnership, to a degree, is still there. And um, they supplied engineering and, and technical support for us throughout the season and uh moving forward uh we look to keep that relationship strong uh what that looks like we're not sure yet obviously uh having the technical partnership will be will be a given but uh how that partnership will either stay the same or expand is something that that uh we're going to work on in the future for sure the technology of IndyCar continues to evolve. Uh, next series, the aero screen becomes a part of the car. What challenges will that bring to the car? Um, we're not entirely sure yet. We, we, you know, it, there's there's still testing to be done 
um, looking forward to, to the results of those testing. I, I, I'm actually very hopeful that this that this will uh, will work very well for for IndyCar because it's uh, it was designed obviously in conjunction with with Red Bull. IndyCar has been working for years to to find a, a workable solution to the to the uh, exposed cockpit issue that we've seen the last couple of years. Um, the the halo that the FIA cars are, are running wouldn't work uh, really in IndyCar because of with the high speeds of those ovals, um, it, it, something hits the halo. It, it probably won't, it won't be structurally sound with an object hitting it at 240 miles an hour. So, um, working really hard on a, on a, on a, not the quick solution, but the proper one. Uh, so the work that IndyCar has put in, um, I'm obviously very hopeful that it works out. Uh, and we'll see after the, the testing is done and, and uh, we're ready to bolt it on the, the chassis that, that it's the right way to go. In 2021, the engine package is going to change for the first time in IndyCar. You're going to have a hybrid motor. What are your thoughts on instituting that new technology? Because that's pretty different. It is. And, and it's it's the right way to go. Um, obviously, hybrid technology is a step forward from from what we're working with now. And, and, and uh, you know, the common concerns are what is it going to sound like and and stuff, and then everyone can be assured that that the engines will still be loud, the cars will still be very loud. Um, they'll be more powerful and and more efficient, yet still be that that loud. So uh, it's a win win, really, all the way around. I want to talk about sponsorships for a minute. Uh, it's such an integral, vital part to the success of teams like yours. How is that world right now? Because I know, you know, we see sponsorships in Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, and they seem to be growing. In IndyCar, are they also growing at a pace where you like to see, or is it stagnant? Where do you see that space right now? Um, it's it's growing really with the with the reintegrated popularity of the series. You know, the, the series hit a low point uh, a little while ago. Um, and and now that it's rising steadily and and rising consistently, you know we're seeing the sponsorship dollars sort of mirror that, and the support for IndyCar sort of mirror that as well. Um, obviously, it's not at the the level of the stick and ball sports, the NBA, the MLB, stuff like that. But it it yeah it, it it's it's growing to sort of getting back to the level where where all the teams feel a little more comfortable than they did uh, a few years ago. Why do you think that's happening? Is it the injection of youth with people like you and Colton? Is it the cars, the drivers? What is that that has gotten it back on track, so to speak? No pun intended. Um, I think starting off being a unified entity uh, helped uh, the remerger, I guess. Um, and since then, it's sort of been a slow growth. But it's also, you know, the, the work that that NBC is doing, that the series is doing and sort of getting themselves out there. Um, the different race venues with promotion and we're seeing upticks in attendance. We're seeing upticks in TV viewership. I think it's just uh, a more of a, a awareness spreading uh, that's, that's helping a lot. Um, and obviously the work that IndyCar and especially NBC has done in sort of getting, getting IndyCar out there and, and getting more eyeballs on it has, has paid dividends and will continue to. Yeah, I love the fact that you just know that everything's on NBC TV and their digital properties now. You don't have to look all over the place wondering, well, where's the race this weekend? So I really like that it's in one place. You look like you have a lot of fun around the racetrack. Uh, what's the best part about being an IndyCar team owner? Uh, the best part for me is just that I get to go racing. <laughs> that's, that's really it. I mean, I get to... You know, I get to be involved in a sport that I've loved nearly my whole life. And, and it's, it's just, yeah, it just brings a smile to my face. Anytime I go to the track and it, it's sort of just a, an environment I've always loved and an environment that I've always wanted to be a part of. So to finally be a part of it kind of energizes me. You're listening to sports business radio with our guest, George Steinbrenner, the fourth. We'll be right back after this. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. 
They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. Now back to Sports Business Radio with our guest, George Steinbrenner IV. Your name is so synonymous with baseball. Was there ever any kind of tug of war passion wise to go baseball versus racing? And I know your dad, Hank, is, is co-chair of the Yankees. Correct. Yeah. And that pull to baseball has been there. My, I mean, I was handed a, the bat and a ball when I was, you know, right out of the hospital. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, I'm, I've always loved baseball, and, and I think it's a similar reason I fell in love with racing. It, it's, you know, the, the the two sports, I think, that are most data-driven. You know, baseball's so data-driven that I, I got into statistics and and um, analytics when I was a kid. And so <laughs> integrating into racing was uh, was fairly simple for me based on the fact that it's all data-driven. It's, you know, there are machines out there with with drivers, so it's it's, it, the data, the amount of data and analytics. It was an environment that that felt welcoming and felt, you know, I was I was sort of soaking it all up as a stat geek, and um, so the pull to baseball was it was and is always there. Um, I watch every game I can, um, but, but it, it, I think the easiest part of it was you know baseball. My family's got baseball pretty well covered for the foreseeable future, you know, with my father and my uncle. And so in racing, you know, I could kind of branch out and kind of make something of my own and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, run it and see it as my own vision. Um, and yeah, and branch out in my second passion. Yeah. And if you think about IndyCar racing, Penske's, Andretti's, Chip Ganassi, there's some pretty famous last names in IndyCar racing as well. Of course, yeah. Obviously, starting with Rogers, you know, been fifty years in this and has grown a massive, you know, portfolio and 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 a great name in Penske. And it's a very recognizable last name. I mean, go on the highway and you'll see his trucks everywhere. And and it, it all started with racing. So it, it it's um you know it, people like that, like you know Andretti, Ganassi, Penske. You know, the, those are the kind of names where where me being a 23 year old uh sitting in an owner's meeting i kind of like to keep my mouth shut and, and let those guys talk and learn from them just by you know soaking in their presence really i want to go back to your your namesake uh, george the third the boss seven titles in 37 years as the owner of the yankees he passed in 2010 i believe so that makes you 11 or 12 i think when he passed how much time did you spend with him, and what kind of an influence was he on your life? He was a big influence on me, and, and the influence from him came more from a personal level. You know, I, I did know him the last 11, 12 years of his life. So I knew family man George. I knew Grandpa George. I knew uh, I saw you know his his love for his family, and, and that's really the the grandfather I knew. I didn't know really much of, of business, George. I, it was all family. Uh, um, so for me, you know, I, I only know secondhand the, the sort of stories and, and um, larger-than-life persona that he exuded and, and, and the large impression he left on on 
America. It, it was sort of just grandpa to me. You know, it was uh, very personal, and I learned a lot on a personal level from him on how to carry yourself, uh, how to be the the right kind of person. Is there a story or memory that you have that stands out in your mind from him? Uh, what, well, when I was a kid, I don't know, just because I'm sitting in here um, down in Florida at the moment, uh, he would always, it, just a funny story, he would always, uh, well, he would come and visit every single one of his grandchildren every Sunday. He would go, you know, because he had four children who had a bunch of grandchildren, so he'd make four visits every Sunday. And they, he would come and visit, and uh, he would he would always call my room his room because it's you know a guy I have the same name as him. So he's like, <laughs> well, this is George's room, right? Well, yeah, that's my room. So he'd come in my room and just sort of take it over. And it was funny, and that was always one of the best memories I had because you know it was a recurring memory happening every Sunday. It was funny. That's so great. That's so great that you had that regular contact with him and. You know, like you said, it's a side that a lot of people never got to see. And, uh, you know, I've heard from various people that he was a really good uh, family person. You got to throw out the first pitch at the Little League World Series recently. I bet that was a lot of fun. Uh, I it, I would have if it did not rain. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, they, I wasn't able to throw out the first oh, pitch. Oh, no. I was, able to spend, I was able to spend the day in Williamsport, which was really cool. Obviously, I was a guest of Honda. Um, and and I was able to do some some fan interactions at at, at Williamsport for a little bit, so it, it was still a good day, you know. It it just you know the, the the crowning jewel of the event, I guess. I wasn't able to do, but it was a good day overall. Well, they better have you back to throw out the first pitch in the future, so you get that done when it's not raining. I hope so. I would love to go back. All right, last question for you: goals for the future. I'm sure. You know, one of your goals, we just mentioned Penske's and Andretti's and Unser's and so many people. By the way, it was great to see Al Unser Jr. and and learn that he's a consultant to your team. What a great person to have consulting your team. But when you see those names, and obviously you carry the Steinbrenner name, and you look towards the future, do you ever let yourself dream of what you want in the future? What What are your goals that you want to achieve? The goals really are just, you know, to win, win the Indy 500, win championships, win, win. And, and, um, how that comes about, I, I don't really see myself like everyone usually asks me, Hey, next year, two cars. Hey, five years down the line, you want to have two, three, four cars. And for me, it's always, um, however many cars I need to be competitive, that's how many cars I'll run. I'd rather run one car that's capable of winning the Indy 500 or winning a championship opposed to having two that, you know, you're finishing 10th and 11th every weekend. It, it's, uh, so for me, it's just the, the goal is to win. And um, the vision is really to just do whatever I can to make that happen. George Steinbrenner the fourth. You can follow him on Twitter at G Steinbrenner Roman numeral four. Uh, looks like you get on there semi-often. You like being on Twitter? I do, and and I'm not as active on social media as I maybe should be. Uh, it's just not usually my nature. But uh, yeah, I have fun every once in a while. If I have something to tweet or retweet, I have fun uh, interacting with with the community. Yeah, I think they really like interacting with you, and I think they love to see your success at such an early age. And uh, you know what you and Colton are building, and, and your whole team is is pretty special to watch. So. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with us on Sports Business Radio. And thanks, like I said, for the meet and greet in person at the Portland Grand Prix. That was a lot of fun and continued success to you in the future. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Open Doors helps athletes share content on social. Founded in 2012 by two former Nebraska football players, Open Doors has become the world's leading athlete marketing platform. More than 6,000 athletes around the world use Open Doors to receive content from partners and publish to their personal social channels like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all with one click. Open Doors makes it easier than ever before for brands, including sponsors and licensees and properties, to push approved content through the player's social channels. 
leading sports organizations like the PGA Tour, NFL Players Association, Major League Baseball Players Association, the LPGA, and dozens of professional and collegiate sports teams use the platform to send video highlights, photos, GIFs, and more to athletes. The publishing process is very easy and convenient. Once registered, athletes receive a text message when their team, league, or brand partner has content for them to share on social media. The athlete simply reviews the content and hits approve. Open Doors does the rest. If you're an athlete, start using Open Doors as a tool today to build your personal brand and maximize your value on social media. If you're a brand trying to connect with athletes who you thought you'd never be able to gain access to on your own, Open Doors is your solution. Open Doors makes athletes more accessible to the people who support them. Visit opendoors.com or follow them on social media at Open Doors. This year marks the 100th anniversary of one of the most infamous events in American sports history, the Black Sox scandal. If you like the book or the movie Eight Men Out, hear the full story of the eight Chicago White Sox players who were banned from baseball for conspiring with gamblers to lose the 1919 World Series. New details have been uncovered that provide fresh insight into the scandal. So subscribe to the Infamous America podcast from Black Barrel Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any player of your choice. The series is available right now. Guests appearing on Sports Business Radio will receive a dress shirt from Mizzen and Maine. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. No more dry cleaning and no wrinkles. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. It's the most comfortable dress shirt I've ever worn. Head on over to MizzenMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMain.com, code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at Boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the Sports Business Radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in wherever you get your podcast. You can find Sports Business Radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.